Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here with Digging Deeper Jazz. Today, I wanna to get you guys sounded just a little bit like Thelonious Monk. Now, I know the jazz gods up there may start throwing lightning bolts at me, you know, thinking I could be so presumptuous as to be anything like that great genius that was Thelonious Monk. And I kind of agree, maybe I would deserve a lightning bolt right now. But um, I was actually uh, teaching a lesson. One of my fantastic adult, amateur, semi-pro uh, students, Rick. How's it going, Rick? Um, he's been in one of my jazz band master classes here in the Washington, D.C. area for years. And he's a member of jazzwire.net. And we were talking about playing a particular Thelonious Monk tune. And he said, you know, something that always bugs me is, you know, people will play a Monk tune and then they'll just go ahead and play a solo that doesn't seem related to the song. It's, it's the same solo they would have played on any other song. It's not being informed by that spirit of Thelonious Monk. And, and you know, I thought that was a very cool uh, observation that... You know, when we're improvising over a melody, like, yes, that melody should sort of reverberate. It should inform what we're doing. I really agree with that. And that was a very deep question and a deep observation, I thought. So that's what I want to get into. And here's one of the things that Rick and I talked about. So now, let's think about it. If, so here's the thing. If you haven't heard a couple hours of Thelonious Monk in your life, absolutely stop this video right now. Go no further. You've got to listen to some Thelonious Monk. Most people love Thelonious Monk, um, and if you don't, I don't think we're friends anymore. you got to love Monk. So, for those of us that are continued to listen now, um, we have this idea of what Monk sounds like. So, what's, what are some of the words? I mean, you know, certainly there's a quirkiness, there's a, a fierce individualness to the sound. Like, you can tell a Monk song from anybody else's pretty much, right? Um, and we could dig deeper. Sometimes his songs are angular. Like, what does quirky mean? How do we play quirky music? And so for me, angular, wider intervals. For me, he uses interesting spaces. He uses a lot of rest, and he uses a lot of displacement of rhythm. Monk came from stride piano. So he knew about James P. Johnson and Willie the Lion Smith and all that fantastic stride piano with the built-in displacements of rhythm. So there's all this stuff that occurs to me that gets us closer to playing like Thelonious Monk. So that's what I want to talk about here today. And I tell you what, before we go any further, I have to uh, tell you, I was talking to my friend Thorsten, a great professional sax player in Munich, Germany, and he and I are producing Jazzwire Germany coming up this August. He checked in with me and there are six spots left for Jazzwire Germany. We have people coming from all over Europe, all over the world, and I would love for you to be there. It's going to be August. Let me get these dates right. I think it's 8 to the 15th, 2020. So the email address is below. Get in touch with Thorsten. There's a, literally a handful of spots left for that. And in just a couple weeks, December of 2019, I'm going to be up in Toronto doing a workshop. We have a pile of people signed up for a bunch of uh, workshops we're doing there. It's going to be, I say a pile of people, but each individual workshop is going to be quite a lot of individual one-on-one -on -one attention. Three spots left. So make your way to jazzwire.net slash events, and you can sign up for the Toronto event, the one that's almost sold out. And then we have some stuff coming up in San Diego and Pomona, California in January. All right, let's get back to Monk. So uh, this idea of the rhythmic side and the angular side. So what we did in this lesson is I thought, let's first of all, let's play the blues. Monk loved the blues, right? So as an example, we're going to be working with the blues here. 
And the idea of, well, what is a quirky interval? What is a wide interval? What is angular? So how about a tritone? So we've all probably heard about the tritone. Um, the tritone used to get you kicked out of church, like you'd get excommunicated if you used tritones or used them the wrong way. Honestly, seriously, that's how this worked. This is a problematic interval, okay. Turns out that the two most important notes of any chord are the third and the seventh. That's just basic theory, third and the seventh. Tell us whether something's major or minor, whether it's dominant or tonic, third and the seventh. The third and the seventh of a dominant chord are a tritone. When you play those two notes on the piano and then play a bass note, that's a fantastic dominant seventh voicing. So, okay, that interval, I wonder if we could actually make music with those two notes. So here's what we're gonna do. You'll see on the sheet, I wrote out a simple little exercise. On every measure of this C blues, I wrote the third and the flat seven. That's it. And by the way, I used a really important uh, rhythmic device that Monk knew plenty about. This comes from the great James P. Johnson and his masterpiece, the Charleston. One and the end of two. So that's all that is on this sheet. Third to the seventh of every chord, using the Charleston rhythm. Let me play it for you really quickly and we're gonna develop this. Okay, what do you think? A little quirky, right? And I've probably been excommunicated and I've already dodged a lightning bolt. But we are making our way into playing over the blues and sounding very different than we probably otherwise would. Okay, that's the whole purpose here. How can we, with just, just the notes and the materials that we have, you adult students and semi-pros that I love working with so much, I'm not showing you some fancy mode of the Messian whatever. No, no, none of that fancy stuff. Literally using the third and the seventh of a chord. If you're watching this video, you know what I'm talking about, right? So how can we use this to paint an entirely different picture than you would otherwise? That's what we're doing here. So now just that interval, okay? So I wrote out this little etude, fine. Now, can you use those notes and improvise? So the idea, of course, though, you have those two notes in the first measure. You have to change in the second measure. We wanna be with the chords, right? So you have to really have your wits about you uh, as we do this. So let me do this a little bit now. So now what I'm gonna do is use those, just those two notes in every measure. I may play you know, a, a B flat in different octaves, but there's only two pitches I'm choosing from in the first measure, and that's a B flat or an E. Let's see what happens.
So what do you think? I think so. A little quirky, a little interesting, right? Did it sound like Monk? Now, here's the thing. I spent a long time working on Charlie Rouse. Charlie Rouse was, for me, the saxophone player for Monk. Yes, John Coltrane recorded with Monk and Eddie Griffin and on and on and on, Phil Woods and so many more. Uh, Charlie Rouse had this sort of bent-up sensibility like Monk did a little bit. To me, he was Monk on the saxophone. This is the kind of stuff we hear from Charlie Rouse, how he's able to play those solos and sound, have that same quirky sort of sense. One of the words I use when I think of Monk is pointillistic. Pointillistic. I think that's a type of art, right? Where um, the artist would use little dabs of paint, little points of paint. And when you get really close to the painting, you can't even tell what's going on. You just see dabs of yellow and orange and red and blue. But when you get further away, it makes sense. And it has a real look to it. It has a real vibe to it, pointillism. So Monk, to me, played like that. There was all this space, and he would use little bits of notes that when you listen to just a measure or two, it doesn't make any sense at all. But then when you stand back and listen to the solo and listen to what's going on, we get that. So there's a huge component of rhythm here. Now, if you go back a couple uh, videos ago, talking about James P. Johnson and the, and the Charleston, and so you're going to get a lot of sense about what to do with rhythm. So here, all we did is paired things down to two notes. We picked a wider interval, a tritone. And they're incredibly consonant notes in the sense that they're thirds and sevenths. They're chord tones, right? So there's so much deeper we could go. Thelonious Monk wrote a tune called Raise Four that used entirely the interval of a tritone on the song, but it used an interval in a different place than this tritone. We could introduce neighboring tones. Now, this is all the sort of stuff I'm going to be doing with the people on jazzwire.net coming up. So if you want to figure out how to develop this idea, you need to come and join us at Jazzwire, and we can walk through this process together for weeks and months, not just one little video. But I sure love you being here for it. So I tell you what, I think we could leave it there. I'm going to play a little bit on the way out and play with this tritone sound, and I'll develop it in some different ways, but it's still mostly going to be that. I hope this gives you something to work with. And the idea that that last solo I played, this next solo I'm going to play, what Ever I was going to play before thinking about this, it wasn't going to be that, right? I, was, I have other vocabulary. I have other licks. I have the way Jeff thinks about music. This gets me out of that in a cool way. When you can take somebody with 40 years of experience, give them one or two devices, and they sound different, oh my gosh, that's a powerful tool. I'm giving you a powerful tool. I hope you mess around with it. It's simple, but there's so much to be done with it. I'd love to hear the comments on how this works for you. Let me play for you a little bit on the way out. Thank you for being here with Digging Deeper Jazz. Please share these videos with other people. If you're enjoying this, I bet some other musicians you know would as well. Thanks for sharing it with them.